Welcome to the You Can Eat With Us podcast with Libre Connections. Join your host, Tara Harbstreet, as she sits down to chat with people who have experienced the ups and downs of intuitive eating and body acceptance on their path to health and happiness. Hello, and welcome to the You Can Eat With Us podcast. I'm your host, Kara Harbstreet, and hopefully I'm welcoming you back from part one of this mini series. But if you're catching us for the first time, know that this is part two in a three-part series with our guest of the week, Jenna Josephowski. So if you haven't already listened to part one, I really encourage you to go back and check it out. We introduced the topic of body positive fitness and got to hear a lot about Jenna's background and how she came to be doing the work that she's doing today. She shared a lot of really great insight in introducing the topic of joyful movement, and we're going to keep that conversation going with part two. So this is where we're going to talk about how we've gotten it all wrong when it comes to what actually promotes health. Spoiler alert, it's not weight loss. Jenna talks about the benefits of exercise that have absolutely nothing to do with burning calories and some small ways to start being less rigid with the way that you move. Plus, she gives some of my favorite advice ever about joyful movement and being less judgmental. So listen closely and see if you can catch it. And then, of course, we'll recap at the end before we shut things down and move on to part three. So with all that being said, let's get right back into our conversation with Jenna and pick up where we left off in part one. All right, welcome back to part two of our mini series with Jenna. We covered so much great content in part one. So if you haven't already listened to that, be sure to check out her definition of joyful movement and some of the fun things that we talked about there. We also got introduced to some of the challenges in traditional fitness or exercise settings. And so to kick off part two, as we start to further explore our relationships with exercise, Jenna, I just want to hand it back over to you and see if there's anything else that we want to add to our conversation. Sure. Thanks, Kara. So the fitness industry, I think about this a lot. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. You just don't know what you're going to get when you go into a gym, when you go into a class or a studio. Oftentimes I find that the diet talk is so rampant that a lot of people don't even realize what they're doing. So people might be talking about, you know, burning off or quote unquote earning their food. Uh, you see a lot of things like before and after photos just posted everywhere, whether it's, you know, posted on the wall somewhere or posted on a facility, social media, um, just the talk amongst the clientele can be really alarming sometimes if you're a fly on the wall. And for fitness professionals, I feel like the assumption that a lot of fitness professionals have is what weight loss or that weight loss is automatically what people want. Um, just assuming that that's kind of the ultimate aspiration or assuming that that's what people want. And that's not necessarily always the case, but I think because of that, in turn, a lot of clients also, you know, might come to a trainer or a class and automatically feel like that's what they should want or that people are judging them for their weights. Um, the other thing that I want to add is that there are also a lot of people working out of their scope of practice, and that's important to realize. Like, just because your yoga teacher, you know, walks around drinking green juice all the time, that doesn't mean that she's a nutritionist or, um, you know, personal trainers. They're 
I guess there are certifications that might qualify a trainer to give a little more nutrition advice than others, but we're not dietitians, you know, um, and that's just important to keep in mind before we blindly follow the fitness and nutrition advice from people out there. That's such a good point to make because I think as dietitians, of course, we're trained ethically and, you know, we have professional standards that we have to abide by. And a lot of it has to do with staying in our lane. And so, like you said, there's certainly aspects of a conversation that we can get into with clients or people we may be working with. But I think that's such a great call out to say, you know, if you hear that someone is really stepping out of their lane or going over these boundaries that, you know, that might actually be a red flag or it could be an indication that you might just want to advocate for yourself or seek out other alternatives if that's the type of information that you're looking for. I mean, there's so many resources these days. There's really no reason to keep getting like, honestly, what amounts to really crappy advice from people who may be well-meaning, maybe they aren't, but at either rate, they're not the most qualified person to be sharing that advice. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's just important to question where you're getting your information from. Right. And you brought up another really great point about, um, you know, exercise and how we engage in it. And you spoke a little bit to this in part one, but also mentioned it here where we've become really conditioned to view exercise and movement as something that is done solely for the purpose of weight loss or changing our body. And there's a ton of examples of times when that's really the furthest thing from your mind. Maybe you just want to feel better in your body. Maybe you want to have more energy or you want to improve strength for activities that you engage in day to day. You know, there's a number of reasons why someone might be interested in being more active, but so often it's so linked to a weight loss attempt that when the diet quote unquote fails, um, more like the diet has failed us, right? Then it's like we become so sedentary as a result. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit and how that dynamic can be really challenging for someone who wants to be more active but is not interested in weight loss. Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts on that. I feel like we've been, as a culture, misled to believe that weight loss at all costs is health-promoting. And quite honestly, I think we have it backwards. You know, thinness is so idealized, or these days I guess it's more like looking fit or tones, quote-unquote. Um, people wanting to look this part of being fit and healthy. Um and it's no wonder that people want this because there's obviously this privilege um, that comes with being thin that, you know, once you open your eyes up to it, it's, I, I get it. I see why people want it. The media believes, leads us to believe that this is the way that, that we need to look. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. Healthy and fit, if that's something that you decide you want to pursue, is something that's going to look a whole lot different for everyone and have benefits that go so far beyond weight loss. Um, so some of my favorite benefits, uh, obviously stress relief, depending on what you're doing, it could be a lot of fun. I think it's fun. Um, it can help enhance your efficiency at an activity or a job that you already do. So just thinking, for example, um, my sister's a nurse, so I'm sure that she has to do a lot of like moving of patients and being on her feet a lot during the day. So physical activity can certainly help somebody who has an active job um, just do their job a little bit better or help undo the aches and pains that are caused by jobs. A lot of us have repetitive movements in our jobs. People spend a lot of time sitting or, you know, wearing uncomfortable shoes, being in a certain posture. 
exercise can kind of unravel a lot of that that happens from our day-to-day lives. Um, and it can open the door for you to just be able to do more things. Um, for example, a lot of the things that you might want to do when you're traveling require a certain level of fitness. Um, and just enhancing the quality of your life. The thing that I always think about is just being able to, you know, take care of yourself as you get older, being able to sit up and, um, you know, move about your day, I think is a really valuable thing. Um, Another thing that I like to tap into also, and I got this from Jessie Haggerty um, and her online course, which if you're familiar with her, she's really awesome. She has an online course for trainers. And one of the things that she talks about is focusing on things that you value. Um, so for example, if learning, um, or accomplishing things is valuable for you, fitness can bring that into your life. Um, if doing things that are challenging is a to you, then working on strength training might be a thing that you like. You know, there's lots of different ways that you can tie your fitness routine um, or your movement routine into the things that you have in your life and kind of make it your own. So it could be a lot of things. That's such a great point because I think when we start to live out our values or come at this from a place of self-care versus restriction or punishment, it just becomes so much simpler to align the things that we want with the things that we're doing. And, you know, it can take a lot of time to get there because if we've never asked those questions like, what is it that I value or what is it that I enjoy the most? then it's really hard to answer that. And so it's definitely that curiosity and kind of getting into that, that discovery mode of asking, you know, what is it that I really like? But I love that you brought up some of those other benefits because for me, at least one of my favorite ones is just sleeping better at night. Like I definitely notice on days that I'm less active that I either have a lot more restless sleep or maybe I have a harder time falling asleep and I wake up the next day and it definitely affects my mood. And so if it comes down to living out our values, like one, I want to feel rested and energized, but also two, like I would love to be a nicer person to the people that I interact with. And if I'm tired and irritable and not feeling my best, then yeah, I mean, it affects every other aspect of your life. And so some of those were, were really great. And I love to, you know, getting back to that place of self-care and how you mentioned those, you know, compensations that we might have because of either the nature of our work or the postures that we find our bodies in from a day in, day out basis. I think those are some of the really overlooked benefits of exercise that really and truly have nothing to do with the size or shape of your body. So I'm so glad that you mentioned those. Right. You know, one thing I want to go back to, you mentioned, um, back to this idea of weight loss and how a lot of times when people, you know, they'll maybe stop moving altogether because they didn't find the, you know, changes in their body that they were hoping for, just kind of throw it all out the window. I think this also manifests in the fact that if you look at fitness marketing, it's marketed to people as a certain way. I mean, if you just Google like fit person online, you get somebody who is, you know, young, thin, usually white, cisgender, um, you know, all of that. And people see images like that portrayed for fitness marketing. And then they look at it and they think that the gym is not for them or that they think that yoga is not for them. And then they never wind up going or think that, Oh, they'll just, you know, wait until they lose weight or whatever, or look the parts. Um, before they go and then it never happens and people are missing out on all of these wonderful benefits because 
the very industry that's designed to want to help them get these is not helping because they don't feel welcome there. Mm, Yeah, that's a great point to make. And one of the other things that came to mind was one of the first things you mentioned for this part of our mini series where you said, you know, having that community and feeling like you're welcomed and represented is so, so key because I noticed even, you know, very simple things like accessibility. I mean, we are really conditioned to view quote unquote fit or healthy people as being exactly that, you know, young, able-bodied, um, usually cisgender, Caucasian, all of these things that carry immense amounts of privilege. And that's never openly acknowledged, but there's also very few accommodations made or even just the acknowledgement that there are people in all types of bodies who want to have access to those benefits that we've just rattled off because they're, they're so important. And it's just one of those like basic human things, right? Like we all deserve to have access to those things if we desire those for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, coming from this place of restriction, and we've mentioned that exercise is unfortunately often used as a form of compensation or punishment, you know, that's one of the areas that can really get down into the nuance of what intuitive eating or non-diet or um, body positive uh, approach to fitness might look like. So we talk a lot about, you know, asking those reflective types of questions, getting to know your body, staying curious, but what are some of the, the ways that you might support a client or someone who's new to this and starting to listen to their body or discover what their version of movement might look like? Definitely. Um, and this is, it's going to come more easily to some people more so than others. I think some of us are naturally a little bit more intuitive. Um, obviously I'm going to say yoga helps with that for sure. Um, I'm biased. I'm a yoga instructor, but there are a lot of other ways that you can do it too. Um, one of my big things is letting go of some of the external measures that tell us what we should be doing. So things like heart rate monitors, um, or things that track our steps, any sort of tracking apps, really, even things as simple as if you're on a piece of cardio equipment, you know, covering the monitor, focusing less on what someone or something else is telling you that you should be doing, and focus on how you're really feeling in the moment. The other thing that can be sometimes helpful is not to have a plan and to do what feels good. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you decide you want to work out, maybe not having that, you know, class or whatever booked in advance, but decide like, hey, this is X amount of time that I'm going to use. Do I feel like going for a walk? Do I feel like stretching? Do I feel like dancing? Um, and then just doing what feels good um, and seeing what seems sort of natural in the moment. Um, playing is another big one. Movement doesn't have to be formal. You know, it can be playing with your dog. It can be playing with kids. It can be playing with toys. Sometimes I joke that I just go to the gym and I see what sort of equipment looks like fun to use that day. And I just play, you know, another thing you can do if you're not sure is give yourself permission to try and then stop. So if you, you know, say go to the gym and you start working out and are really sure if you're feeling it, know that it's okay, that you don't have to be there for X amount of time or do X amount of things for it to quote unquote counts. Mm, um, I love that. Yeah. And then just having a variety of options, um, you know, different things that you like to do. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing sort of thing. 
you know, it could be a variety of different things. It could look a bunch of different ways. Um, and just know that this is hard. Like it's really hard when you've had a restrictive, um, or punishing relationship with exercise to improve your relationship. So it's not going to be perfect. Just, you know, try, try again, try something you normally wouldn't do. Um, and most importantly, be okay with taking a rest day and know that it's going to be okay. That's sometimes the hardest advice. I know that's been the hardest advice for me to take for myself. Hardest pill for a lot of my students and clients to swallow. But you can rest. You can do nothing. You cannot move your body sometimes and you're going to be okay. Yeah. It's so easy for us to sit here on this recording and kind of casually talk about it. Like, oh, just throw in an extra rest day or, oh, just listen to your body and everything will be great. And in reality, it is rarely that simple or linear. It is almost never the case because we find ourselves in different situations or we might somewhat feel triggered by being in a different setting or we might just not really feel confident in getting more playful, especially in public settings when we feel like we may be watched or judged or viewed or on display or whatever. And I know that at least for the type of work that I've done lately, a lot of it has been letting go of that judgment and saying, you know, it really doesn't matter if I walk in and I'm not feeling it, it is perfectly okay for me to turn around and walk right back out and go on with my day. And kind of letting go of that fear that we're always being judged or watched. Sometimes that is the case. You know, we notice people. It's kind of human nature. But in reality, I think so much of the time that judgment is really stemming from within. And when we're in that moment or kind of using like some of those external tools that you mentioned, like the display on a cardio machine or a step counter or fitness tracker, then it really does take us out of our body because from day to day, it's so variable, right? I mean, we could perhaps get on a treadmill or, you know, head out at a certain pace or whatever that might normally be just fine for us. But if we, for example, haven't slept well the night before, or maybe we're under fueled because the day was really busy, you know, that might actually feel harder. If we're relying on that external information, then no, it's not going to be an enjoyable workout and we're going to feel worse because of it. So I love that you brought up that point as well, because yeah, letting go of the numbers as well as the judgment can be one of those ways that we start to get more in tune with our body and how we're feeling within it. Yeah. And do you know something that I want to add that I hope will make a lot of listeners feel better? Most of my clients, I would say near everyone is concerned that other people are watching them. I can't tell you how many people come to me um, that tell me that they're, you know, nervous to be working out around a bunch of other people, or if they're coming to train with me the first time, they're very curious how crowded the gym is. I just had somebody talk to me last week about doing some yoga private lessons because they feel embarrassed to come to a group class. This is real. It is a real feeling for almost everybody. I feel like. So if you're feeling that, just know that you're not alone. Um, And if it makes you feel better, most people are probably so concerned with other people watching them that they're definitely not watching you or caring what you're doing. Mm. And that is such a great point, you know, saying that not only are you not alone in feeling that way, but that there are resources and trainers and fitness professionals out there who acknowledge that and can help you discover ways to feel more confident or more comfortable. And I think that's a really great note to end this second part on, because as we get into part three of our mini series, that's exactly what we're going to dive into, you know, how to go about finding a weight neutral or weight inclusive 
body positive fitness professional and some of the other great resources that are out there. So definitely stay tuned. If you haven't already, go back and check out part one and we'll see you guys here again tomorrow for the final part of this mini series. All right, so that was Body Positive Fitness Part 2 with Jenna. Did you happen to catch that favorite piece of advice that I mentioned in the intro? It was kind of quick, so it might have been hard to hear. And don't get me wrong, she shared some really amazing ideas throughout this entire interview, but I especially loved it when she said, we can give ourselves permission to try and then stop. Like, if you're just not feeling it, it is totally okay to give yourself the freedom to walk out of the gym or shut your workout down early and just say, look, this isn't for me right now, maybe on a different day. I just love this so much because it really challenges some of the like diet and wellness culture that surrounds exercise and movement. Like I'm sure you guys have probably all heard the advice where someone is like, oh, you know, if you're not enjoying your workout, just stick it out for 20 minutes. Or, you know, if you're not enjoying your run, just try and make it past that first mile. Like, no. I mean, you know your body and you know that if it's not going to be a good choice for you that day, then, you know, having that permission, even if it's from someone on the outside, can sort of help us challenge those rules, you know, kind of rules and air quotes that we set up around exercise. So anyways, I think that was just really great advice and I'm so glad that she mentioned it. So if you enjoy what you're hearing so far, stay tuned for part three of our mini series. If you're listening in real time, it's going to be coming out tomorrow. Or if you've recently subscribed or are just making your way through past episodes, look for episode 23. We're going to pick up where we left off with some of the resources that Jenna's been mentioning, especially Body Positive Fitness Alliance. I'm excited to introduce you guys to them and talk a little bit more about some of the other great resources that can just make movement and exercise a lot more enjoyable. So in the meantime, stay tuned for that. And again, if you've enjoyed the show so far, we definitely want to hear about it. So hop over to iTunes where you can leave us a rating or review. And if you're so inclined, feel free to share this episode with someone who might be starting their body positive fitness journey or starting to get interested in intuitive eating and a non-diet approach. We would love for you to help us spread the word about this non-diet message and just put the podcast in the ears of people who might benefit from hearing this message. So as always, we look forward to seeing you here again soon and thanks so much for listening.